Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. We know the country is in trouble. And let me tell you something. If an independent guy, a guy that went from Democratic to being fed up with the Democrats and decided he's going to be a Republican and then got fed up after he realized that Republicanism became Trumpism, folks, Matthew Dowd is a political pundit and consultant and author of A New Way, Embracing the Paradox as we lead and serve. He's a vocal opponent of Trumpism and the fascist leaning sect of a, or the fascist leaning of a certain sect in this country, something that would likely pull the country down. Matthew, welcome to Politics Done Right. How are you doing today? I'm awesome, man. It's so great to be with you. Let me tell you, um, what, you know, I, I watch you on MSNBC all the time and I remember in the old days, there were times you would have me pulling my hair out. I don't know if maybe you're responsible for my <laughs> hair being this way now. And, and, but as, as time progresses, it, it is amazing how we've really gotten into what Barber, Reverend Barber would call a sort of a fusion politics. But anyhow, uh, you said on your Twitter, Democrats are, only, are the only vehicle today to save the republic. And I must say, when I saw that, and when I heard you allude to that on MSNBC, I said, this guy has to be on because he needs to explain that. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, yeah, you're right. At the start, as you mentioned, at the start, I've been on a bit of a journey through my political life, always trying to figure out what place has the most integrity and what place, I mean, always trying, and it, it was a more personal choices I made along the way. But I have come to the point, I've, I haven't been a Republican in almost 15 years, um, I, I think I figured it out earlier than a lot of people did. Um, but the last five have been just uh, god awful. And the la I actually think the last eight months have been even worse than the four years. The four years, I actually think it's been worse uh, because it's not just a, a somebody in the White House that doesn't know what they're doing and is also completely off kilter of where the democratic values are. But now we're actually under assault. I, I think democracy is under assault. I, I, I have come to that place where I don't think the GOP can be saved in its current rendition um, it, because it's, you know, 85% Trumpism and all of the elected officials seem to be enabling it or almost, almost all of the elected officials seem to be enabling it. And so at this moment, I think the only vehicle, and though I may disagree with some of the Democrats on some issues, but I'm aligned on a lot. Uh, of it, they're the only party that actually supports democracy today, the only major political party that supports democracy today. And so in my view, the only way the Republicans will change is if they suffer devastating losses in the next few elections, this one coming up in, in 2022 and then in 2024. It is the only, they will not change from, a. they can't be moral argumented into changing. Uh, they're, they're incapable of, of engaging in that at this point. And so in my view, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to elect Democrats wherever I can in whatever place, especially here in Texas. I signed up yesterday to be a, a volunteer deputy. I registrar. read that. Yeah, and I and and a lot of people were surprised, like what you know, what are you know, because I've obviously run campaigns, but I was like, you know, anything I can do um, to support that, to do that, and then tell people this is what we need to do. Um, in, in, uh, I'm going to do. And it was great too. It was a, a little instruction and then you take a test. And there was in this little town of Kyle, Texas, 37 people showed up um, to become- In an, Kyle? 
in Kyle, Texas, in this small town on this on a Tuesday night, 37 people showed up to be deputy register, volunteer deputy register. So to answer your question, I think democracy is at stake, the Democratic Party. We can argue about policy later once we save the democracy, <laughs> once we get through this. Right. Um, but I think for right now, everybody has to put their differences behind and, and work on this. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Now, you, you, in, in that little uh, montage, you had a very important thing that you mentioned. You are more concerned about the last eight months than the four years of Trump. And I don't think a lot of people understand what you're saying there. I think it's important to realize while Trump is sort of a, 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 an insipid person who thinks about himself only, over the last eight months, we saw some guys who understand what is actually happening and how to command power in a particular manner. Why don't you expand on that? Because I think a lot of people don't get that. That was a very important uh, uh, statement there. So, you know, we, we can all argue about and the level of damage that Trump did to our country, which I think he did a lot. Um, not only from a policy perspective, but also from just tonally and giving permission to people to do bad things. I think that, you know, he released people to do bad things. Um, but I think the last eight months now, it, you know, Trump's gone, Trump lost, and he was, Biden was inaugurated. And then almost, what, 30, 40 states then proceeded to base new policies on all of this lie that there was election fraud, widespread election fraud, and all of that, restricting people's voters' rights, putting impediments in place. And the worst, to me, the worst is the ability to nullify an election. Mm. That to me is the worst. Yes. Because at, at the American public, I think, has a capacity, and we showed it through the civil rights movement, and they overcame a lot of impediments. But you could overcome all of these impediments, get to the polls and vote, and then some state legislature or some judge could nullify the election based on nothing. That to me is the most autocratic, dangerous thing that's taken place. And though Trump is, I call him the mad king in Mar-a-Lago, there's a ton of his sort of lieutenants that are out doing the most awful policies in an attempt to appeal to him. And uh, I never thought, I thought it was bad during Trump, I never thought democracy was fundamentally at stake during Trump. I thought there was a lot of bad things. I think democracy is at stake today. And I, and, and I think we're at the most, perilous, the most perilous moment in, um, in American politics since 1861. I think that's where we are. You know, interestingly, what I'm, what I'm watching, right, is at first, uh, the Republican Party was a tool for Trump. And what Trump was able to, what the Republican Party was able to do is make Trump the tool. And he has yet to realize that he has now become the tool. Because all the folks have gravitated towards him, they can use him now as the template. It, it, it's what I call sort of the pastor mentality, right? Uh, one of the reasons why many, many leaders, even Democratic leaders like dictators or pastors is they only have to talk to one person and then everything emanates from that one person. Isn't yeah. that what you see with them gravitating towards Trump? Not a love for Trump, but realizing that getting Trump in line with you really gets you a lot more. Yeah, well, Trump's a weapon now. Trump's a tool. Right. Trump's a tool and, and, and they see that. I mean, the, and I saw this coming for a few years. That's why I said in September of, 
2015 that I thought Donald Trump would be the, the Republican nominee for president. And everybody thought I was crazy mm -hmm. because I saw what the Republican party had become and who occupies the base of the Republican party. Marco Rubio didn't figure it out and Jeb Bush didn't figure it out. Donald Trump, give him credit, figured out who the Republican party really is today. And he, he was able to use it, get elected and do all of those things. And so that's why defeating Trump wasn't going to fix this problem. And I never thought it would fundamentally fix this problem. I didn't think it would get as bad as it is. Um, but we have to defeat, and, and the Republican Party is really, and as you call it, Trumpism, is really that. And so the only way you defeat it is, as I said, Republicans will not change if they don't suffer consequences, right? And they're not going to change because you or I you know, you know, say something or point out something or use some logical argument. It's going to be up to the voters to rid ourselves of this in a series of elections, and not just one, but in a series of elections. So maybe they'll finally reflect back and say, we got to change, because that's, I think, the only way they will. Okay, let, let, let's get a little bit technical here. And I, I want your, your wholehearted, honest opinion here. Um, one of the techniques, uh, first of all, I, I don't believe I don't believe in race and all that sort of issue, but I understand that America is uh, based on race and on many issues. Now, the argument that I think the Republicans are using, and to some extent quite effectively, is that that other is coming to take your birthright. And that has a certain amount of resonance with people that are not well, uh, that, are, that are not well schooled, if you will. And what that does is it, that carnal part of your brain starts to work. How do we reach those people to under, for them to understand that those others are not your problem? It's the, that thing that wants to control you. And you know what that thing is that's really yeah. the problem. So, so I think it's going to be a lengthy process. I think if I were given advice and I, if anybody calls me to Democratic candidates and how we do this, First of all, attacking voters and Democrats, some Democrats have had a tendency to go off in that. And mm -hmm. obviously there's a bunch of people that are white supremacists and racists and all that, and it should be pointed out, but it never works because voter it, you, attacking voters never works. What you have to do is drive a wedge between the Republicans, uh, politicians and their voters. And to me, one of the ways to do that is say, they have no respect for you. Right, they have zero respect for you, and I, I I make an argument akin to a relationship. So if you're in a relationship with somebody, right, and that person in the relationship lies to you, doesn't share your same values, doesn't care about you, it, the relationship doesn't work, and that's the relationship the Republicans have with their voters right now. The voters haven't figured that out because I think they're in a defensive posture and they're a fear mode, and they get in that place. But I think you can begin to make an argument that says, listen. Those people, those Republican leaders think you're yahoos, right? They think you're idiots because they think they can just keep lying and making up stuff. It's almost as if they sit in a room and they're like, what crazy thing can we say to see if they'll buy it, right? And then they say some crazy thing and, and it, it goes out and goes off, off into the netherworld. And so that to me is the most fundamental way. I think you've got to drive a wedge between politician and the voters. Don't attack the voters, drive a wedge between it. And the second thing in is that what Republicans are seeking to do is take away any accountability they'd have, right? And, and 
Voting is the only way we can hold people accountable in this country. I mean, people aren't billionaires. Most people aren't billionaires. Most people don't have lobbyists. Most people don't have that. The only way they, their only instrument of accountability is, is, is voting. And so when that changes, they, a conservative person in a rural place or, a, or a, somebody right wing in a suburban place, they, I think, understand accountability, right? And so like, and it's like, you think they've come for this group they could easily come for you at any point in time. And what's your accountability mechanism? That is the, the, the magical part about that is don't go against the vote or don't, don't attack yeah. the voter. And that is what I've learned over the years. And in fact, that's what I write about now. I always make sure to isolate it towards the Republican politician, the Republican sect, et cetera. And, you know, I mean, I, I, it, it behooves me. You, you, you tell people not to do that. But I think one of the things that you probably should tell the party, specifically the, the Democratic Party, is not be afraid of leaning in. I mean, here in Texas, uh, you're now a Texas resident. Uh, we have we pay into the Affordable Care Act like everybody else. We don't get the Medicaid expansion to the Affordable Care Act. Whether you like it or not is immaterial. The fact is that approximately 2,000 Texans die every single year from yeah. not having that. And not only that, you're in a rural part of uh, the state when you're in uh, wherever, wherever you are in the rural part of the state. And hospitals are actually or have actually been closed because we don't have that. I don't see Texas Republicans and Republicans in many of these other places making making it a bread and butter issue for each of those Republicans that are voting against your interests. Your thoughts on that? So I completely agree with you. And there's, first of all, I mean, you're exactly right. And I'm a believer that government ought to not do everything. Government ought to do a few things to support people to make the decisions in their lives and, and, and enable them to live a healthy life. And then they can do whatever they want with their life, right? One of those important aspects is healthcare, right? Is healthcare. And it's not just a, a, a black issue or a Latino issue. It's also a white issue because there's a whole bunch of people, poor whites, people in rural areas that are voting Republican that don't completely grasp what's happening here. And so the, 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 and my argument would be we spend in Texas $250 billion a year. Our budget is two. We have the third highest budget in the nation that Texas does. Third highest budget in the nation, $250 billion budget over a biennium over two years. And to, to, for the cost of what the governor of the state is trying to do with a wall along Mexican border, we could expand Medicaid and close the gap on people that don't have access to healthcare. And you know what else is interesting? If you expand Medicare in Texas, you create 200,000 jobs. Thank you. Thank you. And you know, you, 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 I've told many on my program, including on KPFT, that fiscal responsibility dictated that we accept the Medicaid expansion to the Affordable Care Act, whether you like it or not. That's not the point. It is law. You can try to change it if you want to later on. But while it's there, ideology, put an ideology over fiscal responsibility is a problem. Exactly. It's amazing. Anyway, look, we're getting close to the end of our time. And let me, t- let me tell you what I'd like to ask you to do. I always ask this as my last question. What didn't I ask you that you want me, that you would have liked me to ask you? And what would you like to tell our audience going forward? So uh, you asked a lot of great questions. I, 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 here's what I'd like to say. 
it's it's a very concerning moment and I'm um, incredibly concerned, but I have a great hope because I believe that if we can energize and engage the American public on this, who have, we share, most of us share the same fundamental values in a way, we can get through this and we can actually get through this. It's almost as if there was a scab, we needed to tear off the bandage, the bandage was torn off, it hurt, but we actually needed some cleaning to do of the American experiment. And so I think this is a moment to just wade in and, and, and engage in that cleaning and healing of the process. I would say people should relate to people first on a set of values and then talk policy. Relate on a set of values, share a common set of values. And the other thing I would say was I would ask your audience is this election is going to be more important than the last election. It is going to be way more important than defeating Donald Trump. This next election has to make an attempt at defeating Donald and Trumpism. So people turned out in 2000, in 2020, please, please, please engage in 2022. Matthew Dowd, political pundit and consultant and author and new savior of the democracy. Thank you so kindly for having been on part Politics the, and Right. Part of the team like you are, man, just part of the team. Thank you very much, Matthew. Thank you. Great to be here. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.